Well, this is the last in a little series that we've been doing on Sunday evenings where I've been using the hymn of Philip Bliss, which begins with the line, Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a Saviour. And each Sunday evening we've been using a successive verse from that hymn to expand upon some of the great gospel truths of which that hymn speaks. And so this evening... We come to the final verse of the hymn, and Philip Bliss concludes the hymn with these words, When he comes, our glorious King, all his ransomed home to bring, then anew this song we'll sing. Hallelujah. What a Saviour. And I want to conclude this little series uh, with three points this evening, uh, prompted by the words of that closing verse of the hymn. And here's the first, the king's ransom. The king's ransom. Philip Bliss writes in his hymn, all his ransomed home to bring. His ransomed, the ones for whom Jesus paid the ransom. Now, let me just ask you a question right at the beginning. Do you know that that's speaking of you? I trust you do this evening. And if you do, I trust that once again it will cause you in your heart at least to cry out, Hallelujah, that's me. But maybe there's someone who's not sure. Well, let me just ask you, are you one of his ransomed ones? The ones for whom Jesus paid a ransom. Now we're familiar with the concept of a ransom. It's often been the the framework of all kinds of stories of fiction. The price which is paid to secure the release of a captive. Sometimes it occurs because someone has been taken captive intentionally. We might say they've been kidnapped on the basis that someone, hopefully, who thinks enough of them, will be be willing to do anything and pay anything in order to secure their release. Uh, A point which is made in a rather humorous way by turning the whole scenario on its head in the 1986 film Ruthless People, which is a comedy where a boss's wife, played by Bette Midler, is kidnapped by disgruntled former employees and a ransom is issued, pay up or we'll kill her. Surely her loving husband, who's played by Danny DeVito in the film, surely the loving husband will pay the ransom. But no, the business empire is actually in her name and the husband has been planning to kill her himself so that he can inherit the fortune. So he refuses to pay the kidnappers in the hope that they will indeed kill her. And that forms the basis of a whole comedy of errors which unfolds as all kinds of people are out to get one another. No one does actually get killed, but they all demonstrate that they truly are ruthless people. And the reason that that film actually works is because everybody knows that's not how it's supposed to happen. What's supposed to happen is the ransom does get paid. Because someone does love that person enough, cares about that person enough, 
to be willing to pay the price so that the one held captive can be set free. Now here's the glory of the gospel. We are those for whom Christ has paid the price that we might be free. And one day, Christ is going to return for his ransomed ones. He's paid the price. He's bought you. You are his. And he's coming to take you. And he'll take you to be with himself in glory forever. So let's listen to a few of the words of the scriptures. Here's the words of Christ himself as Mark records it in chapter 10 of the gospel. Even the son of man, of course that's the title that Jesus frequently used of himself. Even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I've come to pay a price so that those who are captive may be set free. It's picked up by the apostles. Listen to Paul in 1 Timothy 2. There is one God, one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. He's the one who has brought us back to be in fellowship with God again. And how has he accomplished this? On what basis is the Lord Jesus Christ the mediator between sinful men and women and a holy God? He's paid the penalty to secure our release from that which keeps us from God. And perhaps most helpful of all, maybe, is Hebrews chapter 9. We read this at verse 15. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant a new agreement between God and sinful man, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom. Why? To set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Well, there in that verse, the writer to the Hebrews talks about the the, the Old covenant or the first covenant and a new covenant. And he uses the language of ran ransom to set them free. It's the penalty of our sins that Christ has come to pay that we might be set free. Our sin holds us captive as enemies of God. Our sins are accumulating a penalty that we can never hope to pay ourselves in this life. But which we will pay for, for eternity, when God in Christ returns in judgment and pours out his wrath upon the unrighteous. Now our only hope is that in this life, someone might pay the penalty for us on our behalf so that we don't have to pay it ourselves for all of eternity when God judges us. Like paying a ransom to set us free. To set us free from the sin which holds us. 
to set us free from the penalty that we owe and to cancel out the debt. To set us free from that condemnation which is upon us, that condemnation which is on our heads as sinners because our sins make us to be transgressors of God's law. That's what is meant in Hebrews 9.15 where it talks about us the problem that we're under because of the first covenant, where God has given his law. Now, if we keep God's law perfectly, we'll be fine. But none of us can. None of us is righteous. We've all broken God's law. We're all guilty before God of transgressing his law. But God has established a new covenant. And it was established when the price was paid by the shedding of Christ's own blood. That's why we were able to sing just now, the price is paid, the ransom has been given. Let us enter into all that Jesus died to make it our own. Have you done that? For every sin, every sin, more than enough he gave and bought our freedom from each guilty stain. You see, it doesn't matter how many old sins you can bring to mind. Every single one of them has been paid for in full by Christ. The ransom has been paid. You've been set free. The hymn continues a little later, no more to pay, no more to pay. Let accusations cease. In Christ there is no condemnation now. The price is paid. By that scourging, cruel, he took our sicknesses as if his own. And by his wounds, his body broken there, his healing touch may now by faith be known. It's all been paid. It's all been paid. And here's the question that you need to face up to on this Easter Sunday in 2017. Are you one of his ransomed ones? What, what does it mean to be a ransomed one? They are those who acknowledge before God their sinfulness and their guilt. They are those who see in the crucified Jesus the God who loves them and who gave himself for them as a ransom to pay in full the penalty for their sins. They are those who by faith turn to him in repentance. They turn away from their sins and they turn to Christ, trust him as their saviour, and who in so doing are made new and who are set free. Are you one of Christ's ransomed ones? Well, I trust you are this evening. And as we think afresh on these things in your heart, you just want to cry out hallelujah. What a saviour. The king's ransom. Secondly, the king's return. 
the king's return. All his ransomed home to bring. He's returning one day and he's going to take us home. Well now, let's think about a few of the things that the Bible says about this. Let me just uh, turn you to just a couple of passages. Only a few verses in each one. Just to remind ourselves of some of the things that the Bible teaches us about this issue of Christ returning. First of all, at the very point that he first ascended and went back to be in heaven with his Father in Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. Now when Jesus had spoken these things, while they watched, that's his disciples, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, what a sight that must have been, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He's coming back just as you saw him go. The day will come when Christ's people see him return and he's coming back. The Apostle Paul writes to the Philippian church, some well-known verses and uh, we get some words from a well-known hymn uh, from Philippians in chapter 2 and we'll read from verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him. Christ did not remain dead. He didn't remain in the grave. He rose. He lives. He's exalted at the right hand of the Father. He's given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, you know, there's going to be a day when Christ returns and everyone, not everyone will know him personally as Saviour and Lord, but everyone will see him and everyone will know who he is. And he will receive all the glory that he deserves and which is his due because he is the king and the king is returning and when men and women see him they will be in no doubt at all who it is that their eyes are fixed upon he's coming the king is returning one day the apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church to encourage them about the things that are yet to be and particularly to encourage them about the state of those Christians who've already died and gone to be with the Lord. And he says towards the end of 1 Thessalonians and chapter 4 these words, the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Now, of course, when he says the Lord himself, he's speaking about Christ. He will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise and we who are alive and remain will be caught up 
together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. The King is returning. The King is coming. And it's going to be a glorious day. And this is the, the ultimate uh, final consummation of our salvation which Christ has secured that the king is going to return and then we saw in Revelation that we read before from uh, chapter 19 these words of John as um, throughout several chapters of the book of Revelation he, he speaks about this Jesus who lives and reigns and of this uh, great day when Christ and his church are forever going to be reunited in a physical sense, and, and we'll be with him forever. And, and who is this Jesus? He has a name. It's written on his robe. It's written on his thigh. King of kings and Lord of lords. Of course, taken up in the great hallelujah chorus from the Messiah by Handel. King of kings. Lord of Lords, he's coming, he's returning. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb once slain for the sins of this world, victorious, alive forevermore to return and to reign and to rule for all of eternity. For those who belong to Christ, that day will indeed be the return of our glorious King. He's coming. He reigns and he rules. There is nothing that will stop him. Now the date, the time is all fixed by the Father. None of us know when it will be. Scriptures tell us he'll come like a thief in the night at a time we do not expect. None of us can predict when it is that Christ will return. For those who do not belong to Christ, when the King returns, they will not be able to stand when faced with his righteous wrath and judgment. But if you never have done so, why would you not turn today to that one who will one day return as King of Kings? Why would you not turn to the one who loved you and who gave himself for you so that you will be safe when Christ returns? What a glorious position it is for us, Christian brothers and sisters, to know that when Christ returns, for us there is no fear. For us, there is no doubt. For us, there is only eager hope and expectation and eager longing. Our glorious King will one day return and he will take us to reign with him forever. What a glorious Saviour he is. What wonderful things we have yet to look forward to because of Christ. And then finally, we have the king's rest. 
He has a home where he's going to take you. You're going to go home. Now Jesus, of course, very famously was speaking to his disciples in John chapter 14. And there he spoke words that his disciples didn't really understand at the time. And uh, they struggled to make out exactly what it was that he was saying. And it's clear that they didn't understand because of the question that Thomas asked him after he said it. But Jesus said this, let not your heart be troubled. Wow, there's some trouble in the world right now, isn't there? Boy, is there trouble in the world. There's a place where you can turn and your heart need not be troubled. Isn't that great news? Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Another way you could actually interpret that verse is in my Father's mansion are many apartments. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Right now, there's a place being prepared for you in God's mansion. Christ himself is the one doing the preparing. And when he returns, that's where he's going to take you. Nat King Cole was a very famous singer in his day. And one of the most famous and well-known songs that he sang has these words. When I fall in love, it will be forever. Or I'll never fall in love. In a restless world like this is, love is ended before it's begun. And too many moonlight kisses seem to cool in the warmth of the sun. When I give my heart, it will be completely or I'll never give my heart. And the moment I can feel that you feel that way too is when I fall in love with you. Now you see, this perfect, ever faithful, never failing love that that song speaks of and which is the subject of many love songs. If only I can find the one who will never fail me, who will always lovely, love me, who will never let me down. If only I could find someone like that, then maybe that is someone who I could love in return. Of course, we discover when we open the Bible that that love can be found but it can only be found in one place and that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, here in the gospel, we discover God who loved us long before we ever loved him. An unfailing love, a never-ending love, 
the love that Nat King Cole's song was searching for and couldn't find. Not in this world, not in this life, but it can be found in Christ. And how do we know? Well, he's the one that came to pay the ransom for our sins. That's how much he loved us. He's proved his love. His love is proven beyond doubt. Now, how do we know that this love is going to be unfailing and that it won't let us down? It's because this love has prepared a place where those he loves will be with him forever. He's prepared a home for you. He's going to take you to be with himself, guaranteed. On Tuesday afternoon, we had Chris's burial. And some of us were stood around the open grave. And I made this point on Tuesday afternoon. I mentioned it briefly at the open hour on Friday. I'm going to say it again this evening. If you wander around Allerton Cemetery... Uh, you won't have to search too hard until you find a, a gravestone which says the final resting place. The final resting place. Here's the thing. That grave that we put Chris in on Tuesday afternoon is not his final resting place. Have you thought about that? That grave will not be Chris's final resting place. Why? Because the king is coming. The king who's paid a ransom for his sin. The king who's prepared a home that will be his forever. And he's going to take Chris. Chris will rise from that grave on that day. And every believer with him. And Christ will take us to our final resting place. And trust me. No, don't trust me. Trust God's word. It will be a place of rest. It will be a place of rest like you can never imagine. It will be such a place of rest, there will be no tears ever shed there. Not one. There will be never anything to shed a tear over. There will be no sorrow. There will be no disappointment. There will be no grief. There will be no pain. There will only be perfect, unfailing, never-ending love. The king will take home his ransomed ones. And there they will be with him forever. Live your life looking heavenward, ready for the coming of your King. To his glory and to his praise.
And may the greatest longing of our hearts be for that final day when forever we will gather with that great multitude of which the scriptures speak and our eternal song will be Hallelujah. What a saviour.